For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Culture of Things podcast with Brendan Rogers. This is a podcast where we talk all things culture, leadership and teamwork across business and sport. If you would like a chance to win a $30 e-gift card of your choice, answer the question at the end of this episode. The e-gift card is with compliments from our friends at Jangler. Hello and welcome to the Culture Things podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Rogers, and this is episode 44. Today, I'm talking with Erica Johnson. Erica is the head of diversity, equity, and belonging at Chime. Chime is the fastest growing fintech in the US. It's a technology company focused relentlessly on helping you achieve financial peace of mind. Erica is a people person and has spent her career building effective people and human resource functions through a focus on employee experience and diversity, equity, and inclusion. Before her role at Chime, she led the global people function at Nitro Software. When she's not in the office or working remotely, you can find her gardening, hiking, or testing a new recipe. If you care about creating inclusive cultures, which ultimately lead to more collaborative and productive workforces, then you need to listen to this conversation. Erica. Welcome to the Culture of Things podcast. Hello, Brendan. How are you? <laughs> I'm very, very well. How are you today? Good. Thanks for having me. Really excited about this conversation. Me too. Now, you were recommended to me by a mutual friend of ours called Mark Bragg, and he made a comment to me. He said, Erica is one of the good HR people. <laughs> I love that, and I try to be. I think most HR people are good HR people and some get a little lost along the way. So, um, you know, don't want to be associated with those that are a little lost, but I think um, good HR people just means you're really focused on people. So I try to be. Absolutely. He was unbelievably complimentary of you and has a, a high level of respect. So I'm so He's happy. He's pretty to be amazing. To- so that means a lot. He's really amazing. He is. He's a good guy. And I'm so happy to, uh, to have a conversation with you today. And uh, so thanks for, for giving up your time. Yeah. Thanks for having me. So, Erica, let's, we've got a bit to cover through this diversity, equity, inclusion topic, which you're so passionate about. First of all, you've moved from Nitro, taken a bit of a shift, and you've gone into this business, Chime. How about you tell us a little bit about Chime, and what was it about you that you wanted to make this move? Yeah, so I think you said a lot about what Chime is, but uh, Chime is a fintech company based in SF. also have offices in Chicago and Vancouver. It's really focused on having products and services that help our members achieve financial peace of mind. It's so, so, so important. A lot of what I think Chime is, I think their mission is really to make sure we're doing that for people who might not necessarily have all of those options available to them in banking or might have been left behind in like normal banking. So we try to do that with, you know, not charging fees, with educating our members, with Really being member obsessed is one of our values. And I really appreciate being able to be a part of this great company. It's really awesome. And they also have, we also have a really great culture, a culture of people who are really behind the mission, actually believe a lot in being member obsessed, but also doing that 
as we um, team up is another one of our values. So doing that collaboratively, and we also have a value of chime in. So doing that in a way that we're all seen and heard. Fantastic. And Erica, you were heading up HR function at Nitro and you've moved to Chime and you're now heading up the diversity, equity, inclusion area. So what was behind that move for you? Why was this such an important move in your career? Because I'm really passionate about this work. And when I decided, I mean, Nitro, obviously I've spent eight years with Nitro and it's an amazing team. Really enjoyed my time there. Grew a lot there. Did a lot there. They were recently, as of December last year, listed on the ASX. And it was just a lot of hard work and great work for eight years. And when I decided to choose my next adventure, I think it really came down to what did I want to be doing that I'm really passionate about. And I am really passionate about people. But this recently has become a focus of a lot of companies, which is a really good thing. And during my time owning the entire you know, org, that's payroll, benefits, performance management, all of those things, DEB or DEI really becomes something that you kind of focus on for a quarter or two and it kind of gets lost in the sauce a little bit when you're you know, trying to do it all. And especially when you're not, you don't have a particular owner, you know, Nitro is a smaller company. It was about a little over 200 people. During that time, I really cared about this, but then the next, you know, thing would come up, you know, we're trying to list, we're trying to do all these things. This allows for me to really focus on it and also build it from the ground up. So Chime does not currently have, or before me, did not currently have a, a DEB function. I'm the start of that. And I'm a builder. I like to build. And so right now, that's what I'm doing for Chime and I'm really loving it. I want you to explain, for me, when I think about diversity, equity, inclusion, I I would hate for somebody to ask me for those definitions because I'm not sure I could really articulate that well, but you're in that space. I'm hoping you can. Can you tell us what is diversity, what is equity, and what is inclusion? So really the diversity piece, and I, I kind of say this when I'm actually building these pillars for Chime and what do these things mean for Chime. But diversity is having, you know, lots of different perspectives and experiences and voices on every team, at every level, throughout the company. So it's diverse, diverse points of view. And that means we all don't look the same, don't have the same background. The homogeneous piece of like having a room full of everybody that looks the same, that went to the same school, that you know, kind of have the same approach and see the world very similarly, that can create a few, being a bit of a pigeonhole and having a lot of blind spots. So focus on having more voices in the room of different perspectives is really what that's about. So diversity. Um, the equity is making sure that things are equal, fair. There's integrity in the process. How are you promoting people? How are you paying people? You know, we really look at lots of things being said, especially in Silicon Valley, about, you know, women not being paid as much as men, certain ethnicities not being paid to certain others. How do you create a sense of equity within a company? That's just the moral and right thing to do. If you're doing the work, you should be paid accordingly. You should have the same opportunities to be promoted, to grow, to move up, to have your voice heard in a room. And so that's the equity piece. And then the inclusive or the belonging is being able to show up and feel like you belong there, you know, that this is some place that you are accepted for who you are what your views are, how you see the world, how you grew up, you know, that is not. And I think the thing about the belonging piece is people really don't have a true understanding of what it is when you don't feel like you belong. If you are in a space where you don't feel like your voice is heard or you can't be your authentic self, you're not able to do great work. 
you actually aren't. You're constantly watching. Did you say the right thing? Did you do the right thing? You know, how is your opinion taken? So breaking a lot of that down so that we're really focused on people feeling seen and heard no matter who they are is so important. And that's the belonging piece of that or the inclusivity piece of it. So you feel included in the company, even if you don't look like the CEO. You mentioned CEO at the end, and I was going to ask this question even if you didn't mention CEO, because I know there's various CEOs listening to this podcast or have, has listened to the Cultural Things podcast. If I'm a CEO and I don't know a lot about this space, how do you sell it to me? Like I'll come to you, I'm CEO, and say, Erica, what's the business case for this? I mean, what's not the business case for this? I mean, <laughs> that's where I'm, I need, I'm really I need more than that, Erica. My shareholders <laughs> need more. My board needs more. <laughs> what is it? What is it? I'm like, it's a, it's a no-brainer. Um, look, I think when I talked about blind spot, when, you, when you're only, if, unless you're a team of one, you need a level of diversity, equity, and belonging in order for it to operate at the highest level. You know, you cannot have this. And I think you'd be missing out on what's potentially available for your business. You are then only in a room where either you're listening to yourself and you don't have any other viewpoints or being challenged and able to see other viewpoints. You aren't treating everyone fairly. That's the equity piece. So they're not happy. That's just not good for business, period. And then if people don't feel like they can actually be who they are, you're also missing out. You're not, you're missing out on them sharing their point of view or being able to show up and do really good work for you. So the business case really is like businesses that are known to be more diverse have better numbers. That's just it. They have better numbers. They have happier employees, happier customers. Employees take better care of customers. Their products really appeal to a broader range of people. You know, when you have a, a really diverse product team, you're seeing all the volume, you're, you're catching the spots that you might not see from just your perspective in building that product or even in how you're selling your product, um, your marketing of that product, all of those things. So it's important, I think, from a business case for us to do this. And then just it's the right thing. You know, if you want to consider yourself as a great culture company, great culture companies do good by people. You know, they have a viewpoint on the world that, you know, we want to do well for our employees and create a culture because culture exists, good or bad. That's the other thing. Culture is not always good. Culture exists, good or bad. If you want to have good culture, then you're going to want to make sure that, you know, your employees are feeling taken care of and feeling good about being there. Okay. You've sold it to me. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> now you've sold it to me. My next question to you as CEO is, so what? why aren't so many other companies doing it? I think it's hard. I think... There is work in this because what's what you're asking to do, like what the easy thing for us to do is to, when you're starting a business, go out, you meet someone, you hire a friend, or you partner with a friend, you partner with people who think very similarly to you, and you can keep going down that path. Or you can take a minute and actually think, hey, we all kind of think the same right now because we were friends. You know, you were my first, you know, you, you find the founding teams. Founding teams are also so tight knit until they aren't. <laughs> That's a different podcast. Anyway, founding um, <laughs> teams are so tight knit because they all had a, a similar idea, right? But you have no one coming in to challenge that idea and things like that. So that's the hard work. It's like, oh, actually, we need to break this up a little. We need to have the diversity level. We can keep filling this room with more and more people that look like us or think like us, or we can start to bring in some different points of view and different backgrounds. And there's work in that. There's work in finding that. There's work in accepting that. And so I think people think you don't have to do it. You know, they, 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 they think it's a simple, hey, let's hire another person of color. That's our diversity. 
like, no, this is this is actually harder than you think, because actually, if you don't have any people of color at your company, it's going to be much harder to get another get a person of color because they don't want to be the only person. You don't have a very inclusive environment. You aren't saying, hey, we take anyone and everyone that it aligns more with our mission and our values. You're saying we take anyone and everyone that looks like us that aligns with our mission and our values. So or thinks like us as far as how we see the world. Um, so, again, it's, it's hard work. I think it's hard work. And I also think sometimes the soft stuff, the things where we're talking about people's emotions, empathy, compassion are lost. And when you talk, when you're comparing it to sales numbers, product roadmaps, release dates, marketing leads, when you want to compare those two things, you know, these things are very obviously intangible. So folks with and CEOs would rather focus there, but I think they're just missing, they're missing out on a really great opportunity to uh, reach the full potential of the company. I know you're really early in your journey at, at Chime, and I think this is a great opportunity to, I guess, extract some of this thinking out from you because you're doing a lot of thinking, a lot of planning at the moment. I'm just going to put that to one side for a minute because you talked about measures again, like your journey at Chime, it's just started. And who knows how long you'll be there. Whatever you do, I'm sure you do a fantastic job. But what does this successful diversity, equity, inclusion look like for you that you've done a really good job in your role and you've helped the organization tick some boxes in this space? I hope what it will look like is us having a more diverse workforce. Time is doing a good job at that right now, but we could be doing better. Obviously, I'm here and that's what we're going to be working on. Everyone at Chime feeling that way, feeling like we have a more diverse workforce and inclusive ways. I think, again, they're doing a really good job at that. But some of these, when we talk about metrics and numbers and things like that, when it comes to marketing leads, sales leads, all this kind of thing, this work has its own numbers. You know, the data says a lot. We did have a chat about the fact that I'm going to be meeting with the, a few of the Chimers, my fellow Chimers early next week to really start telling a story with our data as to what we think is happening versus what is actually happening. Do we think we have a diverse workforce? Well, kind of, you know, we look around and, and maybe, but if we look at the numbers, that might not be the story. And the truth is those numbers are important for us to change so that we aren't just telling ourselves a story, that the, the story is actually real. If we say we have a diverse workforce, then the numbers actually say that. So hopefully the numbers will say we have somewhat of a diverse workforce. They sort of start to say that right now. But I think the original numbers I looked at said that we can do better. So at the end of this, those numbers should look different. And I think just from um, equity and inclusion and, you know, we've already started digging into a lot of those numbers. And Chime's doing a great job with the equity piece as far as, you know, making sure everyone from a process pay and well, process and pay. A lot of it is with what that is are treated the same. That's it's looking really good. And then from a belonging standpoint, I think people feel very inclusive. We're, we're doing employee resource groups, um, creating spaces for those that might be in more marginalized communities. Um, I'm working very closely with them and creating a great culture in which those are highlighted and available to create some sense of belonging. Like you're not the only one that looks like this or comes from this background. You know, you're from parents to, you know, LGBTQIA community to African-Americans or Blacks at Chime, you know, creating a lot of space for that. I think when I leave Chime, which is hopefully not for a while, um, that those things will all be even more expanded and very, you know, upfront for everyone to see. And we're doing a good job of it right now. And I'm just going to work on doing an even better job. And Erica, you mentioned a word, Chimers. 
not specifically related to our topic, but you hear about these companies with, or they're reportedly having good cultures and stuff, and they sort of have a name for their people. And you've, you've referred to chimers. How important do you think that is? I think it's, it ties us all together in a way. At Nitro, we were called Nitronauts. At Chime, yeah, it was awesome. I actually love it. A to the Nitronauts. Sorry, is that linking to your uh, astrology sort of background? <laughs> it might be a little bit space. Um, it had to do with the Milo, which is our, our little, uh, I forget what, what word you want to call him, but mascot, mascot. He's our little mascot. And he had a little jetpack fuel filled with nitro and he, you know, went out in the space. So we were called Nitronauts, um, which is a really great thing. And chimers, I think, you know, it's a great way to tie everybody together. I think values are really what should tie everyone together. But when you kind of tie the name to the values, it all just makes it a lot easier and a little fun. You know, like we're chimers and these are our values and these are all things that we really believe in. At, at this company. And if you're at this company, these are things that really drive you as well. And I've felt the same about Nitro and Nitronauts. Well, I'm sure you'll make a fantastic chimer. <laughs> I hope so. It's been, what, six weeks, eight weeks, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Erica, let's, let's go back to the, I guess, the start of journey where you're at. So this, again, the DEI role you're in, head of DEI, and I guess it's this first, can I say your first 90 days, you know, that first 100 days you're doing this planning at the moment. Uh, if I'm a company and I'm thinking about this space, you're heading up that in Chime. What do you think is important in that first sort of 90, 100 days for you to, to tick off? Well, I think one, really talking to everyone. So I've been spending my first 90 days, <laughs> I have a list. This, we're a company of about close to 600 right now and with lots of growth ahead. Chime has grown significantly in the last year. Actually, a lot of that coming post-pandemic, start of pandemic. So kudos to Chime for being able to successfully onboard so many people during that time or during this time. But I think for me, it's really the conversations. This work, uh, I mean, sometimes I'm in back-to-back calls all day, but just having conversations. It's really getting an understanding of how everyone thinks about this topic. And coming in new, that means I don't have any preconceived notions about things, right? Everyone can just tell me, What is their hope for this? Some people think things are great as they are, which is fine. And some people would really want to hold time to a few metrics and things like that. So let's get everyone talking to me. You know, I talked to Chris Britt, our CEO, obviously spoken with Beth Steinberg, who is uh, our CBO, our head of uh, people, and lots of other people in the company. So kind of doing my own interview process. I'm down to, out of my list, I think I started with like 55 people. I'm down to my last, I think, 10 to get down to. And just having really great conversations and understanding that. I think the other part is digging into the data, which I'll be, have looked at at a high level. And I want, you know, some of the data experts to help me dig a little deeper and come up with what can be done at the start of this. Like, where, where, where are our priorities? The other thing about, I think, DEI work is it's, never stopping. It will always be here. Like it's something that you will have to keep doing because the minute we aren't doing it, things kind of take a natural turn for what is easiest, which is again, why I said, I like the idea of focusing on it because when you're focused on it, you know, you can make the change. But if you aren't, the minute you take your eye off the ball, I've learned as a head of people, things start to revert back a little bit. You find yourself with uh, definitely changes because the team is changing. People are constantly coming in, you're hiring, there's a constant change in the company. So you need to be focused on this. So 
to get back to that point, it's just really where are the priorities? The priorities, where can we start? Where can we start moving the needle? Instead of trying to, what do you call it, boil the ocean? Because you can try to boil the ocean if you're trying to do all these things at one time, especially as a team of one. <laughs> I hope to grow this team and will be growing this team this year. Um, but still, it will not be some massive team that it's, you know, one versus, you know, 600. How do I get everyone involved and, and how do we tackle what, what we feel like can make the most impact right now? So that's where I'm, I'm starting. What do those goals look like for this year? And also, I think the other thing, setting expectations around what can actually be done within this amount of time. I think that's the other thing. People think you get focused on, you know, DEI, like, yeah, great. We hired someone and that person has a ton of work ahead of them. And this work, the way you plan for it actually means changing slight behaviors, changing processes, changing procedures, which means you don't always see, you know, the impact of that immediately. It's not going to be something you see a lot in, you know, oh, we, we brought someone on and three months in, we have a completely diverse workforce or everyone is feeling good about being here and feels included. That's not necessarily what you're going to see. I hope to see changing that at the end of the year, but also setting expectation about what this is going to look like, this process is going to look like. And you also mentioned just before that Chimes about 600 people have grown a lot and they're looking to grow in the future. So is this DEI space, is this just for big companies? No, I love that question. It is not. Chime is actually getting a head start on it. I would say how rapidly Chime is growing is actually, I think when I was starting, it was, we were closer to 500. Like we're really growing rapidly at this point. Um, again, I talked to people, I said, we've talked about 55 people. And it's, it's lovely to hear people say like, oh, how long have you been here? And it's like two months, three months, five months, and five weeks, that type of thing. <laughs> growing rapidly. So when I think all companies of all sizes need to be focused on this work, whether or not they can have the resources available to them, I obviously am aware of, as I said, Nitro is a smaller company. Um, so this fell under me as a head of people. I didn't have someone to just own this. But focusing on this work, the sooner the better. The sooner you get started on it, the easier it will be. Because trying to create a more diverse, inclusive culture, all of those things when you're a thousand employees versus when you're a hundred employees, it's a much different road. So yes, I would say if you are more than a team of one, uh, if you are now hiring your second person or you're hiring your 15th person or you're hiring your 57th person, then you can start focusing on this. Absolutely. Our interview will continue after this. An expression of gratitude or reciprocity, no matter how large or small, is an important part of a healthy culture and relationships. Our friends at Jangler have a great app that allows you to send a gift card with a personal video, voice message or funny gif. You can send right away or schedule to send on the perfect day and time. Set and forget. I like that. I have found it perfect for clients, employees, birthdays or any celebration where I can't be there in person. It's quick, easy to send, and you can spend instantly in-store or online when you receive a card. Check it out at jangler.com.au. What would you say to people out there that, you know, the diversity, equity, inclusion space and, you know, there's probably, there's some really proactive companies and, and people that really believe in their space and there's, like anything, there's detractors. What would you say to those people that, you know, might think, well, this is just another fad coming through in the people space in HR. 
Yeah, I'd say it's not going anywhere. And I think people want it to be sometimes because it's hard. But in me starting this work, I've had the really great pleasure of rebuilding my network around this. I would say before I had a great network of other HR leaders who I could call up and speak with. And I really love that. And now that I'm in this space, more focused on this space, because this is just an extension of that people function, right? But the more I'm more focused on this space, it's rebuilding my network of like, what have leaders been doing? Who is leader in this space now? And I found leaders that have been doing this for 15 years, for 10 years, for, you know, four years, all of that. It's been around. <laughs> People haven't really been focused on it. I think it takes really shifts in the in the world and what's been happening recently that sometimes get people refocused on it, but it's not going anywhere. Employees are constantly going to want, and I think businesses are going to start to see the benefit of having more diverse and inclusive workforces. And the sooner you focus on it, the better. The sooner you kind of get into your head that this is not going away, that this is not a fad of the moment. I think one of my favorite quotes is like, this is not a moment, this is a movement. This is what is happening now and will continue to happen. And what you're going to find is that employees are going to be looking more and more for companies that are prioritizing this. So get started now. You know, if you're going to wait till next year or two years from now, it's still going to be happening. You're just going to be behind. Let's look at the challenges that may come about in this sort of space, which I'm sure there will be many. What do you see through this crystal ball of, of challenges in this space for you and your role and, and Chime actually striving to excellence in the DEI space? Yeah, there's so much to do. I think it's a huge challenge. There's so much work to do in this because a lot of companies have not been focused on it from the time that they were bringing on their second employee or their 15th employee. They're either you know doing this now that you're 5,000 or 1,000 or, or you know Chime at 500. And so there's, so there's some things already in place that might be hindering your ability to be as diverse or inclusive as you want to be, right? Especially when you're growing really fast. You know, when you're growing so fast, you just want to bring on new people, the business needs new people, all of those things. So this work is actually going to slow that down a little bit for you. <laughs> you know, you're going to have to be intentional, like all of those things. I think the challenge is, are great in this space because there's so much to tackle. There's so much to tackle. But what I try to remember in this work is just one foot in front of the other. You know, little things, little changes will start to help. So getting a consultant, the same way you would get, you know, at that size, a comp consultant or something of that nature, like a complicated process when you don't have the internal resources, put some budget aside to get a consultant to come in and help you get some, you know, prioritize things that can actually start to move you forward. And again, this is going to be work. It's going to take time, but it's worth it. It's worth it. It's the same thing when you want to figure out how to pay people. Are you even when you're starting and you want to start growing the team and you get the, that first recruiting consultant? All of these things are very important for the growth of your company. And if you're growing your company now, get the consultant in, have them help you prioritize, figure out what you can be doing right now to start to diversify and make sure you're paying everybody equally. Start early, start early because the work is a lot. Absolutely. And at the moment, there's only one of you to do a lot of that work. Yes. <laughs> well, that's the other piece, right? The challenges that I think it's when I say set expectation is that everyone kind of thinks, oh, this is, you know, and I would say Chime, obviously no one thinks that. I've had so many great conversations about how people are passionate about this. But sometimes people think 
that one person is going to come in and make it all better. And that is the other challenge, right? Is that you have executive teams, CEOs that think, oh, I just hired this person and they're going to fix it all. Actually, that person is going to guide you on what you need to do as a leader, as leading this company, because it starts with the leadership team. That's one of Mark Bragg's like favorite comments. What, you know, the fish stinks from the head. If there's an issue around diversity and inclusion, it's usually because it started at the top, right? So you as a CEO, you as a COO, executive team are going to have to take some responsibility in it, but get someone who's, you know, willing to partner with you and work with you on, you know, what this process would look like for your company. Erica, I'm a big rule of the, or a big fan of the rule of three. So this diversity, equity, inclusion, which we keep harping on about, you know, this rule of three, if you put it, each one of those as a pillar of that rule of three, is there one that you believe is a bigger mover of the dial than the others that you'd start with to really hone in a bit on that can start to bring things forward in the other spaces? Yeah, it's hard because they need them all. I think I would start with the belonging. Because the thing is, if you bring on more diverse opinions or or backgrounds or viewpoints or people <laughs> look different than you, have a different experience in life, it's going to quickly not be somewhere they want to be if they don't feel like they belong there. If their viewpoint isn't appreciated, if their uniqueness, their background, if how they see the world isn't appreciated or heard or seen. So if you are pretty much only willing to, you know, speak to the people that look like you or speak like you, you're not going to hold on to those people. You can bring them on all you want. They're not going to stay. And I think, again, the equity piece is kind of tied to that as well. If you do respect and appreciate all types of views and viewpoints and things like that, then you'll treat them fairly and create processes that are fair to everyone across the board. So if you really want to focus on one thing, I think it's creating a culture of belonging. And then those other two pieces become, you know, what comes along with that? You know, people will stay because they feel like they belong. People, you will pay them. You will treat them fairly in their in the processes around promotion and, and how decisions are made because you respect who they are and who they are authentically. Thank you for that. So rather than make this episode a, a two or three hour episode and we talk about each one, let's focus on belonging for the moment just to give people a bit of an understanding. So how do I become a chimer that feels like I belong? What's in your ideas cabinet at the moment to start to move the dial on belonging and inclusion? Well, I think that just starts with, again, it's because I, I'm such a people person and I care about the employee experience so much. Just me and my nature and how I see the world. But how, how do you really focus on that is making sure that everything you do, it does not alienate anyone, right? If you're choosing benefits for the company, there are lots of different types of families in this world. So the idea that your benefits would be around a heterosexual relationship or anything like that, like, oh, we're going to give our maternity leave to just women, you know, all of these things that kind of come into play that are very much alienating of other types of people, like outside of yourself. So uh, if you identify as, you know, a cis hetero person, great. The benefits are awesome that they say, hey, you have this much maternity leave and this much paternity leave. You know, that's how it's usually broken up, right? What about if you are two men who just had a child? Like, do you have coverage for that? Uh, do you have ways for that person to take off? Or is the way that they're starting their family being considered in your process and things like that? 
if you respect and care about how your employees uniquely see the world, then you would think about that, right? You need to think about that in the processes that you're building. So when you talk about benefits, what I really like to think about is think of the stress case instead of the best case. Think of the person, think of like what could possibly be the hardest way for somebody to have to be dealing with these benefits and fix it. And then it will work for everyone, right? If you're thinking about someone who does not have a partner, who decides that they want to have a child, how are you supporting them? And how are you arranging your benefits and processes around them? And then guess what? The best case will be more than taken care of because <laughs> you've thought about the stress case. You've thought about the case that's like maybe a single dad who identifies as as gay who decided to start a family. You've given him the amount of time off. You've thought about how he might get support for his family. And then imagine, oh, the person, you know, the couple of two who need time off, who need to see about their family, they're going to be just fine. They're going to be fine. They're going to have plenty of time off. It's all going to work out for them. So stress case instead of best case, building stuff around that is really the best way to look at creating a culture of belonging. Because that means, oh, this company has thought about me in the fact that what they built, they thought about the fact that I might be different than, say, what the CEOs you know, experience in life. And they care. And I'm accepted here. So I want to be here and I want to do hard work and I want to partner with them. And I, I feel a part of this team. Yeah, some great examples. And the thing that's really ringing in my ears again is challenging and difficult conversations because some of these things would be very, very difficult to have conversations with people. And there's lots of views and opinions around these sorts of things. So how do you carry the flag for that? What do you do about this and lead this change? I think is the empathy. Empathy is, is seeing the world in somebody else's, like some somebody else's viewpoint, right? And it is a tough conversation. I don't necessarily think there's a level of humanity to it and there's a level of empathy to it. I don't think you necessarily have to approve of someone's decisions in life or how they or approve of what you think about their life to think to basically see them as human and that they're deserving of the same treatment as everyone else. This is the equity piece, right? Just because of my skin color, things like that, I should not be treated any differently. And if you are a company that cares about this, now, I'll mind you, there might be companies that don't care about this. And then, you know, they've lost out. Honestly, they've lost out. But if you do, then you're going to have to sit with yourself on that. You're going to have to sit with this, this thought of what your judgment on someone else's life is or how you see the world and really bringing in a level of humanity and empathy. And if you cannot, then you are going to struggle to have an inclusive space. You are going to really have a difficult time at this. And I feel sorry for the head of DEI that you hire. <laughs> are the consultant that you hire because they are going to struggle with you. I think, you know, CEOs, founders, leaders are going to have to take a hard look at how you are putting your thoughts and ideas onto someone else rather than accepting people for who they are. Do you have any awareness, understanding of the decision process that Chime CEO and I guess the leadership team had in bringing someone like you in and having this specific focus of DEI? I don't know a lot about the decision-making process. I think that this is important at Chime. Chime is actually really looking to create a level of equity in the world, right? And in, in, for our members, that is the mission of this company, which is doing that in the financial and banking space, which is how do we help 
individuals who might not be able or be as accepted in typical banking situations? How do we help them build better credit, manage their spending, things like that? So they're already trying to create something inclusive. So I don't think this was that much of a challenge. I think that knowing Chris, excuse me, and Ryan and Beth and the rest of the leadership team, I think this was important for them. And again, Chime is in this upward trajectory of growth and they're decided this is the time to definitely bring that in because we're growing so rapidly. You know, let's make sure that as we grow, we're focused on this, which is important. Yeah, to me, what you've just explained, it sounds like the DEI role is just an extension of their core value sets. And this would just a natural progression. Yes, yes. And I would say, again, it might be other companies that might say, well, that's their mission and our mission is very different than that. But I am a person who thoroughly believes in if you want a great culture, you have to care about your people. And so the same kind of care and compassion that I think Chime puts towards its members, it also puts towards its employees, right? Having a great relationship, feeling supported, all of those things. I don't think that should be just because Chime cares about that in that way for its members. I think that all companies should care about the people who are investing their time and eight plus hours a day into your business. You should care about how they feel about being there, about how they're supported. And if you do, then you would put some time into making sure that the underline to this, and that's what I kind of think DEI kind of underlines this whole employee experience. This is all thought about in that process. And Erica, I would love to dig into that with you, but all of a sudden we'd be doing a five or six hour podcast and I'm pretty sure people aren't going to go to my podcast over a Joe Rogan podcast, unfortunately, for five hours. I feel that it's actually getting dark here and I'm like, oh, I didn't even turn on my lamp. So I hope you can still see me in this light. My room, my office is getting quite dark, but yes, we'll be here. We'll be here. (laughs) Absolutely. Look, I want to ask you this question as well. What got you excited and so passionate about this space? Well, I mean, I identify, obviously, as a from a lot of different, what we would say are marginally or underrepresented communities. You know, I'm a Black woman, Black woman, and I identify as gay, lesbian. So I've had my own experiences around what it is to be the only in a room, the only woman, the only Black person. I've had lots of people ask me, you know, when um, when are they going to meet my husband? Type of stuff like that. And I think I know what that feels like. I know what it feels like to feel alienated because no one's really thought about the fact that I might have a different point of view. And my experience in the world is very different than, say, a CEO who grew up very differently, who was treated differently in the world, has a lot of more, I would say, a privilege in the world. And that's just a, a fact <laughs> because of how the world is made up. So I was be like the idea that I could start to help create more diverse and inclusive spaces is something that like excites me. And it's something I, I really believed in Nitro. Like to Nitro's credit, it has a really great way of making people feel very much a part of that company and feeling that they can show up authentically. And I'd like to think I had a hand in that. <laughs> um, I also think that comes from a, a level of the leadership, but doing being able to do that at Nitro and then saying, oh, I can actually, you know, help to focus that at Chime. And, you know, maybe in other companies in the future, it just really excited me um, because I do know what it is like to be the only or not be considered, not thought about, not have the same uh, benefits available to me. 
And thank you for sharing that, Erica. Just to put this in perspective and, and again, that link and the passion and your own personal experience attaching to this, is there a situation that you feel safe and comfortable enough in sharing that I guess has, has given you this empathetic view? Like you don't never want people to feel like this. You never want people to experience what you may have experienced through your own journey in life. I do think it's, I mean, is there a particular experience? I would say... Earlier on in my career, there were there's things that I noticed about leadership, being in leadership or becoming a leader. I won't say which companies I work for, where, where this happened or whatever, but I do know what it's like to feel very differently, being treated very differently, and being so being in a room full of a lot of people who look very different than me and being singled out every time I open my mouth it's, or I have an idea, it's not seen the same way not considered. It's not heard. And after a while, you know, I think the first couple of times you think, is that me? <laughs> is it just me? And then you realize, oh, I am. It is just me. I'm just, I'm the only one being treated this way. <laughs> I'm the only one who hasn't been considered or not being heard or not being respected. And why is that? Like, why am I not getting the same respect as the person that the, you know, sitting next to me? So I've had a few experiences of that. I, I say that to a lot of people when I start. Like I've had tons of times where I'm not the person listened to, not heard. And that is not a good feeling. It is a feeling that I don't want other people to feel. That's just the bottom line. And that's happened as I've you know gone through my career. That also comes from being part of an HR function. And you know everyone sometimes thinks they're an HR expert because they read an article by somebody. <laughs> and they can tell you how to performance manage. But I think... Being an HR person, but also being a woman, also being black, all those things come into play for sure. Thank you. I, I want to touch on recruitment a little bit because, again, you've mentioned a number of times how Chime has recruited a lot more Chimers recently and, and many more to go. If I'm a company and I've got a handful of employees, can I say I'm you know, leading the, I guess, diversity scene just because I hire a, a woman of color, let's say, or a man of color? I <laughs> I think it's, I'm sorry, this is so funny to me. Only because, look, great, that's a good start. That's what you get. You get a good start. You were really focused on that. But just hiring one person of color does not make you leading the diversity charge. And especially not leading the diversity charge if we get back to that belonging piece and the environment that you create for that person is not one of inclusion. So I think people should look, and it's also not you can't be leading it if you pay that person less than you pay most other people in the business like all of those things come into play but good start, <laughs> good start. i've got one star yeah <laughs> room for four more yes <laughs> fantastic erica what do you think uh is the challenge or the challenges for leaders in this diversity equity inclusion space what stops them from doing anything about it yeah, I think it really comes down to a level of, you said it exactly right, what stops them, right? They don't do anything. It's the paralysis in it, but it is the fear of doing the wrong thing. You know, this is for a lot of people, something new. Again, I don't think this is that new, but for a lot of leaders, it is new. It's been in the news. It's been on LinkedIn, all these things, but it's the not knowing what to do, not knowing the right thing to do, not wanting to say the wrong thing, not wanting to use the wrong terminology, all of that, I think, leads to a level of paralysis. So they just do nothing. It's kind of like just stand still and let things happen. Like I won't 
say anything against it. I won't say anything for it. I just will say nothing. And then everyone will be just fine. And I think that challenge is not the best way to lead, right? The company and employees and customers (laughs) want you to lead. They want to know that you have an opinion on how people are treated and how your employees and customers experience your product. And so I think start again, this goes back to the, you know, sit with yourself. Where's your fear coming into? You're not familiar with this space. You're familiar. It's not, it's not marketing numbers. It's not sales goals. Embrace the fact that you don't know, and that's okay. But that this is something that you think can really benefit your business because it will. And then find someone who really knows what knows about it. You know, the same thing you do when you, you know, want to list or you want to learn how to do a pitch deck or all the other things that come into play or you want to you know change up your sales go to market strategy you know you hire people who know and they help you through the process so but do something do something don't do nothing i'd like you to share a bit of advice for people out there small medium large businesses that listen to this today or even not listening to this they've got a just an interest in DEI space, but they're not quite sure of of how they do this, where they go, what they need to do. What advice would you give any leader out there that is considering this space and taking the first steps? I think the first steps is to sit with yourself a minute. Why are you doing this? Why is this important for your business? You know, listen to this podcast and then sit with yourself. Why hasn't it been done before? Do you really honestly see the value in this or do you just want other CEOs or other people to say, hey, you're doing it too? Like, really, this was going to be work. So sit with yourself a minute. I'm a person who likes to sit with myself, think about, have some level of self-awareness. We talked about this pre-show. Great leaders have self-awareness, like what you're good at, what you're not good at, what your motivation is behind things. And get to a good point about what, how this benefits your business and how this it does good in the world. Get to that point and then decide whether or not you are at a point where you can bring on a resource to do this or you should hire a consultant. You know, there's all kinds of consultant packages too. There are people who will come in and work with you for two weeks on it, a year on it. I actually am working with the external. I think it's a benefit to even me as being someone hired by the company to do this work, we have brought on a third party like auditor type DEI service consultant to basically look at everything because sometimes it's looking from the outside. It's really helpful, right? Then you just scoring yourself. So I'm also working with them to go through all the change processes, to talk to employees as well. You know, not anybody from Chime, but you can have a very open and confidential conversation with someone externally about what your thoughts about diversity, inclusion, um, and equity at Chime are. So there's all kinds of ways to approach that, but get get a place to, to start. Where, where, you, where do you want to be? What's your motivation around this? Where are you in your business journey? And then maybe connecting with someone who can help you with that. Because what you're really going to have to do is then the work then around looking at your processes and looking at you know your data and things like that. And I think, honestly, a lot of people might be in over their head with some of this stuff. Um, it's, it's harder to do and know what to do than I think you might think. So, yeah, get started there. But first, like, why are you doing this? Is this a trend for you? Because if it's a trend, you're going to bring someone in and you're going to expect them to change it for you really quickly so you can be in on the trend. And that's not what this is going to be about. It's not going to happen that way. I love that advice. And always that starting with why is, I mean, obviously Simon Sinek's famous for that, but if that why is really true and reflect on that, then 
it's going to come through in all the decisions you make. And I'd imagine you would say to somebody, well, maybe I, I don't, what would you say to somebody who's maybe doing it for that trend reason? Are they better? Just don't do it. I think if you're doing it for the trend reason, expect to be doing it again in two years when it actually hits closer to home. Like if you're doing it for the trend reason, then you're not going to have the right motivation behind it, which means you're going to get started on it. And then very quickly, you're going to, you know, fall off and not be doing it (laughs) because your motivation was to get on with the trend and the trend is still going, but it's left the trend is still happening because it's not a trend. Like people are still doing this work, but you know, it's not in the news cycles anymore when people aren't posting as much on LinkedIn about it and things like that. And you're going to fall off because of that. And then, you know, in two years, you're going to look back and figure out, oh, I actually needed that. I'm at now. Why, why is my company not able, you know, why am I having employee complaints about this being a toxic work environment and all these types of things. How am I running into all this? Oh, remember that thing from two years ago? That was a trend. <laughs> it's not. That was to help you build a culture in which people wouldn't feel that way. Um, so now you're going to have to get back to it and start again. Erica, thank you for sharing that again. And look, I know that we could really dig down into so many of these areas. And as we've said numerous times, we could talk for hours and hours. Given that though, I think what would be best is how about you tell listeners how they can get hold of you because then they can contact you and you can talk to them for hours and hours and hours. Yes, I think we're, I sent the link. You can look me up on LinkedIn, Erica Johnson, Chime. I sent the link there. You can also find me on Twitter. I'm, a, I'm more of a retweeter a lot than I am a tweeter. You might find a tweet for me here and there, but I tweet a lot about um, culture because I, I actually think the people that I follow say a lot of the things best, but that's Erica underscore A underscore Johnson on Twitter. And you'll find that I follow some really great DEI folks, some of the best culture folks that I know, including Mark Bragg Uh, (laughs) uh, and lots of other leaders in tech and a lot of other uh, people around social justice and things like that. So I would say I, I love a good Twitter retweet, retweet, retweet. But you might get a, you know, a little nugget here and there for me about, you know, how DEI is working in, in tech right now. Well, you mentioned Mark Bragg again, and I know Mark, I've only known Mark for about 18 months or so, and he's a fantastic dude. If he says anybody is a fantastic person, which he says about you, then you will have absolutely fantastic nuggets of gold to share. Uh, he speaks so complimentary of you and obviously the work you've done together at Nitro. I know you'll do a fantastic job at Chime and be one of the best Chimers going around, I'm sure. Well done on your appointment and congratulations for living your passion and actually making a difference. I really, really appreciate everything. And I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity. You know, I haven't been doing a ton in the pandemic around networking or panels or anything like that. Um, So I was really excited for this conversation and it's been really great. And again, yes, we could be talking forever. I'm probably going to be fully in the dark pretty soon. So it's good that we're wrapping up because otherwise I got to stand up and turn the light on in my office. But I appreciate, really appreciate the opportunity to talk about something I'm so passionate about. And I hope that it's been beneficial to your listeners and that if there's anything else that, you know, little nuggets or questions or whatever they find me i'm happy to help i try to do as much as i can in this space i'm even happy to suggest some great consultants and things like that erica it's been an absolute pleasure thank you for being a guest on the culture things podcast and i look forward to our relationship continuing thank you thanks
You can hear through Erica's voice her passion, dedication and commitment to her new DEI role at Chime. Diversity, equity and inclusion is such an important topic around the globe. All countries and businesses are at different stages of development in this area. It is something that isn't going away and needs to be embraced. The experience Erica shared about being asked when they would meet her husband was a simple yet powerful example. We have to be very mindful of the stereotypes we may have in our head and how even a question like that could potentially impact on a person feeling excluded rather than included. Like all change, curiosity is the foundation for understanding. When we understand, we can all move forward together. These were my three key takeaways from my conversation with Erica. My first key takeaway, leaders do what they believe in. Erica was leading the HR function for nine years at Nitro, and I have it on very good authority that she did a fantastic job. She decided to move on from there to take on a new challenge in a role that she's extremely passionate about, leading the way across the diversity, equity, inclusion space for Chime. As Gandhi said, be the change you want to see in the world. Erica is a leader who is being the change and doing what she believes in. My second key takeaway, diversity, equity and inclusion is for all companies, big and small. Diversity is being mindful that each individual is unique and their individual differences are recognised. This can be across many different areas. For example, race, gender, sexual orientation, physical abilities or political beliefs. Equity is making sure things are equal and fair and there is integrity in the process. For example, how people are being paid. Inclusion, also known as belonging, is people being able to show up, be who they are and be accepted. Basically, being accepted as your authentic self. Based on the DEI definitions and examples, it is a no-brainer. DEI is for all companies, big and small. My third key takeaway. A great culture starts with caring about your people. Given DEI is about caring for your people, it has to form a part of the intention to build a great culture. People invest their time and energy in a company, and companies must repay this by caring about their people. Have this as a basis and you have a solid foundation for building a great culture. So in summary, my three key takeaways were Leaders do what they believe in. Diversity, equity and inclusion is for all companies, big and small. A great culture starts with caring about your people. I want to give another shout out to one of our listeners, Matt, who's taken the time to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Matt said, A great professionally produced podcast series with quality guests. Highly recommended for any teams looking to maximize their potential. Thanks, Matt. I really appreciate your feedback. Now to our competition. To win this week's $30 Jangler gift card of your choice, answer this question. What name do they give to employees at Chime? Send your answer to brendan at brendanrogers.com.au. Thank you for listening. Stay safe. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Culture of Things podcast with Brendan Rogers. Please visit brendanrogers.com.au to access the show notes. If you love the Culture of Things podcast, please subscribe, rate, and give a review on Apple Podcasts. And remember, a healthy culture is your competitive advantage. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call 
Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.